Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, thanks for joining me. This is Dr. Fred. I watched an interview between Tony Koretz, um, which is, I guess he does a video series called A Minute to Midnight, and he interviewed Leo Homan. And I got that from Grandma Jerry, Absolute Truth. And it was interesting because Homan brings out the fact that it appears as though globalists are on a mission to kill commonly referred to as a depopulation scheme. Now, we know that many are experiencing severe adverse effects and even death, sudden adult death syndrome or SADS, because of the uh, CB jib-jab. We know that war always brings more death, and with it, shortages of food and other necessities. Now, since the Biden administration took over, World War III seems to be perpetually on the table. Under Trump, There were no wars, and he even withdrew troops from foreign nations. The military complex, though, cannot put up with that because it's where they make their money. Now, it's been fairly well known and denied that over 170,000 people in the USA died from the lockdowns, just from the lockdowns. Couple of this with the added sudden deaths that apparently are leaving medical experts scratching their heads about why people, and especially younger people, are developing all sorts of heart ailments and even having strokes. And the whole thing seems surreal. To those of us who haven't been drinking the Kool-Aid, though, it seems pretty clear what's going on. The Marxists tasked with overthrowing the USA are working overtime to instill fear in anyone who speaks out and asks questions. Recently, Dr. Simone Gold, you've heard of her, I'm sure, America's Frontline Doctors, was sentenced to 60 days in federal prison. I have a link to that in the transcript for simply being inside the Capitol Rotunda on January 6th. Now, the absurdity is pronounced And it continues as the J6 Congressional Committee puts on a show for the world that no one is paying any attention to. It's a joke as they try to sound all business while they're busy reading edited tweets they're they're attempting to use as evidence. No one takes these people seriously except for other leftists. Now, as Christians, it's really to the point where It almost seems as though God is either not watching, is absent, or simply doesn't care. I mean, that's the tendency. We we don't want to think that, but we sometimes feel like, well, what's really going on? Now, the bulk of Scripture, though, points to another message that we would do well to heed and believe. This morning, while reading the Psalms, I read the following statement in Psalm 75, 2-3. And here it is in the New King James Version. When I choose the proper time... I will judge uprightly. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. Selah. You know, God is clear here. It is he and he alone who establishes the times and the seasons. There is coming a day when he will judge and his judgments will be, like him, perfect in righteousness, in every way. It's difficult for us to live on this earth watching so much sin and evil unfolding. But folks, the reality is it's going to get worse. 
Do you remember when the uh, homosexual crowd years ago just wanted to be married so that they could have the same benefits as heterosexuals? Do you remember that? They said that's all they wanted. We'll segue 30 to 40 years later, and it's almost as though homosexuals have been pushed to the side, and transgenders are the one in the spotlight now. And if it isn't transgenders, it's drag queens, readings, or shows for little children, and in schools too. Why is this the case? Want to know what an actual drag queen thinks about this? I've included a link to a short video from a person named Kitty Demure which I'm sure is not the real name. Please be warned that if you click on the link in the transcript, it will take you to a man dressed in drag using a bit of foul language. But the point he makes and is noted, and he asks why there is such a push to put little children in front of drag queens is an important question. But again, click on the link with caution, please. The left applauds all of this. They think it's the equivocation of freedom in society. What is actually happening is the dawning of a new age of, I guess we could call it, overt licentiousness. And it's very much akin to the days of Noah and Lot that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. There's nothing wholesome, nothing godly, in any of this. And in fact, in every way, it is anti-God. But that's part of the point, if not the major point. But the one thing Leo Homan pointed out in his interview with Steve Koretz is that if we stop to consider it, the real reason homosexuality to transgenderism is being pushed so heavily is due to the fact that two homosexuals do not, cannot procreate. Oh yeah, they can adopt, but how many do? People who seek to outwardly change their gender end up, for the most part, being sterile. In other words, if they actually have an operation that either removes male genitalia or adds on what would appear to be female genitalia, those people literally become eunuchs, sterile. They're unable to naturally procreate. So they also must adopt if they want children. So what does this all mean? Well, globalists seem to want only uh, 500 or so million people on this earth in total. Any way to get there is fine with them. Is that why they're pushing heterosexuality out of the way? Is that why they're pushing homosexuality to transgenderism up front? Why is the left working so hard, though, to gain the attention and following of little children? It's for the same reason. If they can convince these young children that they're in the wrong bodies, then they'll want to transition to the other gender. And by the way, there's only two. It's really interesting when you talk about transgenderism, they go from either male to female or female to male. There's nothing in between. And by the way, you'll notice when speaking uh, of transgenderism that it's really huge. It's, It's bigger than homosexuality. But the key is to get the attention of the very young children before they can think clearly enough, before they're mature enough to make really important rational decisions. They want them to transition to another gender, which will, in doing so, make them sterile. Now, I've also included in the transcript a very sad thread from a person who transitioned outwardly from male to female. The person's post 
His verbiage is graphic, so viewers, please be warned. However, it is a look into the mind of someone who did transition and who fully regrets it and who gets no support from the powers that be who pushed him into transitioning into a her. Interestingly enough, the person was either temporarily kicked off Twitter or suspended because they dared to tell their story and their regrets. Now, couple this with the attempted attacks and harassment of Supreme Court justices from groups like Ruth Sentas, Ruth Ginsburg, Bader Ginsburg, excuse me, uh, was a previous Supreme Court who was in favor, in favor of abortion. So these groups, Ruth Sentas, well, they sent her. Okay, they're on the con- They're they're attacking conservatives on the SCOTUS Supreme Court. Read constitutionalists side of the bench because of the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. You remember the leak that happened, and we still don't know who the leaker is. By the way, it's amazing how the FBI can't narrow that down. It wouldn't do for the left to not have the ability to kill unborn children whenever. Why? Again, it plays into the depopulation scheme of the globalists. It has nothing to do with health care. It plays into the scheme of globalists who want fewer people on this earth. I wonder if they thought about once they get it down to 500 million, what's going to happen with all the animals on the earth? What's going to happen there? What's going to happen? Well, we'll see. Well, so far, the Biden administration has not come out to condemn the harassment of SCOTUS justices and their neighbors. Merrick Garland's DOJ so far has refused to do anything as well. But then again, Garland was busy labeling parents who spoke at school board meetings about concerns related to what teachers were teaching their children as domestic terrorists. Many of us realize these all of these things are simply communist tactics. That's, that's exactly what they are. They're just communist tactics that have been used over the years to overthrow existing governments in foreign areas of the world. It's happening now in the USA as well. That much is clear. These people who are involved in groups like Ruth Sennis are simply hardcore Marxists, just like BLM people. They don't care whose face they get into, and really the only thing they'll shrink from is lethal force. They clearly have no job, so one can only wonder if that is their paid job to protest. Well, if so, we can guess who pays them. These protesters count on the fact that people won't shoot at them even if they become aggressively forceful in your face. It's actually a bit shocking to the average person to come up against that type of behavior because we're not used to dealing with people like that. Now, of course, they often relegate themselves to either blue cities or blue states where gun laws are far more strict. And usually the mayors or the governors and the police will turn a blind eye to their nefarious and often illegal activities. I can't see them protesting the way they do by taking over neighborhoods and blocking roads in red and especially southern states, though, people simply wouldn't put up with that. What we're seeing is the actual destruction, as I said, of the USA in real time. And none of us, none of us are sure what that means. We know that shortages are coming in the form of food, fuel, and other things. Will rationing occur? 
it's all possible with all this happening. I note that the president of BlackRock, and if you haven't heard of BlackRock, you may want to do a little bit of research on that. That particular organization owns quite a bit of everything. And the president of BlackRock has just stated, quote, we have a very entitled generation that has never had to sacrifice, unquote. Well, that's rich. That's rich coming from him. BlackRock is one of the companies that owns most of everything else. And this particular executive is said to be worth upwards of $485 million. And he has the mendacity to wag his finger at the average person. We really do not know what particular generation he's referring to here when he says that it's a very entitled generation that has never had to sacrifice. Is that millennials, Gen Z, people my age, 65 and older? Well, the arrogance is astounding. BlackRock has helped to create the world and what it is now experiencing. And he has the gall to rub our noses in it as if it's our fault. But getting back to Psalm 75, 2 to 3, let's be clear about something, please. God is fully in charge. He clearly has a proper time when he will judge uprightly. That day is coming like a freight train and nothing can stop it. The only problem for us Christians is what we don't know when that is going to be. We don't know, do we? In the meantime, we've got to persevere. Now, I recall a few years ago, more than one person told me point blank something to this effect. And this is slightly going off track, but you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. He said, look, when the pre-trib rapture does not happen and you find yourself inside the tribulation, you'll lose faith because you'll be so confused and overwhelmed and you'll end up taking the mark of the beast, unquote, something like that. The absurdity of that speaks for itself. It's clearly a man-made argument and nothing more. Well, I don't know about you folks, but because of what's happening in the world and the increase in corruption and lawlessness, I find that I'm not necessarily being disillusioned. I find myself more dependent upon God, even more than I have been in the past. In fact, the problems facing all of us, pre, you know, food shortages, we're, we're just before that's supposed to be happening, fuel and other price increases, etc., all of this is causing me to spend a great deal more time in prayer with him throughout my day. And it's really interesting because I rarely think of the pre-trib rapture or the rapture at all for that matter. To me, it seems as though we're moving quite rapidly to the start of the tribulation period. My wife and I want to ensure because of that, that we make good decisions every day based on his word and using the discernment that only he can provide. I hope that's your prayer too. The idea that if I'm here when the tribulation begins, that I'll be so absolutely shocked and disappointed that I'll ultimately accept the mark and lose my salvation is one of the most absurd man-made arguments I've ever heard. It simply makes no sense at all. And also, whether they think so or not, it denigrates God. It means that God is incapable. That's what that ultimately means. I don't believe that. God is very, very capable. I don't know what tomorrow will bring for my life, much less two months from now or six months or next year, but God knows. Not only that, his timing and will take precedence over everything. So my job is to be in tune with God as much as I can possibly be while living in a world that absolutely hates him and all who follow him. What I find fascinating is that I rarely think 
as I said, of the rapture at all. It's simply not something that's in my front vision. What I do see are all the problems, corruption, and evil in this world, and know that God will sort it out. In the meantime, I expect things to get worse. And if I didn't know better, it's almost as though the tribulation has begun, based on what I've said before about the first four seals of Revelation in a separate article. Though we could simply be in the beginnings of sorrows phase. What is a little bit confusing to me, and maybe to you as well, is the fact that Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is so clear on when the actual final week, the tribulation slash great tribulation begins, because a peace treaty is brokered between the man of sin, Israel, and surrounding Arab nations for that seven-year period, and that's the 70th week, right? 490 years, so the last seven years. It's right there in the text of Daniel 9, 24 to 27. However, when we come to Revelation, there is nothing there that denotes the same situation. The peace deal is not mentioned that like it is in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. In essence, when the white horse and rider come onto the scene, we are told he simply conquers In a general sense, there aren't any specifics. We can surmise that he most likely brokers a peace deal eventually with Israel and surrounding nations at some point, but this is not spelled out in the text of Revelation like it is in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. The emphasis is solely on his conquering. And then as the things, as things progress toward and into the Great Tribulation and into the second half of the Great, great Tribulation, then we find out more about this guy. Paul speaks of this same man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 17, which could be pointing to the revelation of the man of sin after the rapture. But that, is it pre-trib, mid-trib? Who knows? Revelation seems to indicate that at the midpoint of the tribulation, this same man of sin is allowed to continue for another 42 months or three and a half years in Revelation 13, 4 to 6. At this point in Revelation, the beast is already being worshipped. And it's clear the world is already aware of him and following him. Now, as far as the average person goes, they're wondering aloud, quote, who is like the beast and who can wage war against him? That's Revelation 13, 5. So it seems clear that the beast, Antichrist, has already been on the scene and has done some amazing things, enough to garner the world's attention in a positive way. And that probably includes quote-unquote, creating peace in the Middle East. However, at this point, he also seems to be revealed for who he really is to the world. So if we compare this section of Revelation and 2 Thessalonians 2, both speak of the revealing of the beast. He begins blaspheming God, verse 6, and he wages war against God's saints, verse 7. This does not seem to happen until the midpoint of the tribulation. But again, my question is, what, according to Revelation, is the actual starting point of the tribulation itself? If Daniel 9, 24 through 27 gives us the starting point of the tribulation, which is the brokering of the peace deal, where is that in Revelation? It obviously must come from the white horse and rider at some point. But Revelation does not specifically pointed out. So there seems to be nothing 
in the book of Revelation that speaks of a seven-year treaty with Israel and the surrounding nations. The man of sin rises, gains tremendous power ultimately, the world follows after him, and at the midpoint of the tribulation, he openly reviles God and wages war on the saints. The peace treaty with Israel and Arabs is apparently already underway, and it is implied possibly in seal one of Revelation 6, but it still doesn't seem to happen immediately after this writer comes on the scene. It's going to take him a while to build up some strength and following and be able to do what he does. In fact, I find it fascinating that Matthew 24, 1-14 and Revelation 6 seem to parallel each other with the Matthew passage speaking of certain events being the beginnings of sorrows, but not specifically the tribulation period. So you kind of wonder, okay, is the beginning of sorrows obviously happening before the tribulation period? It leads up to it. So is that what we're in right now? The starting point of the tribulation seems clear in Daniel 9, 24 to 27, but not so much in the book of Revelation. I'd like to know exactly where we are in prophecy. And I'm starting to think that Revelation 6 and Matthew 24, 1 through 14 are basically talking about the same events which ultimately are the beginnings of sorrows with Revelation 7, actually the tribulation. We'll talk more about this later. I thank you for joining me. And uh, until we meet again, may God open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 